Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So we um, we try to do giveaways, things like that in an organized manner, but as we are, somewhat unorganized at times. And uh, sometimes it's like, hey, we haven't done one in a while. We got to do it. Let's just have some fun. So we'll literally just like out of nowhere, we'll just decide, yeah, we're going to do this thing. (laughs) I know where you're going with this. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it it had been a few games. I don't know how how long ago it started, but it had been a few games since the Red Wings scored a power play goal. The last power play goal came on January 28th. And uh, it had been a few days or a few games since then. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know what? It's miserable right now. This sucks for everyone to watch this, whatever. Let's have some fun with it. So we said, we give away the team that's scoring 1.93 goals per game or something like that. We said, we'll give away a goal or we'll give away a shirt for every goal and two if it's a power play goal until they get their first power play goal again or until they score on the power play again. It's been <laughs> it's been 21 days. <laughs> um, they are 0 for 30 on their last 30 power play tries. Uh, I'm not certain they'll ever score on the power play again. And there's a like uh, there's a finite amount of shirts that we can create and send out <laughs> before we just run out of money <laughs> and shirts maybe. Like a week and a half ago, I made the joke on Twitter that this was going to bankrupt us and and you scoffed at it. <laughs> Here we are, Ryan. It's so it's a it's directly a punishment for me. And the, this the punishment is you guys have to be more organized when you do stuff like this and plan it out and not just do something on a whim. But I was like, hey, we're having fun. Well, we're going to have fun with it. We're going to give away we wheel podcast t-shirts. We love giving I- away the shirts. At what Just point not were we 30 having at a time. fun this season, Ryan? <laughs> hey, look, I've had a lot of games where I've been laughing where I definitely should have, shouldn't have been. I can't remember the one game. It was just like definitely one of the worst games Detroit has played all year. And I started laughing from the start. It was where uh, by the like halfway through the first period, you tweeted out. You're like, I think this is going to be double digits. This loss. <laughs> I can't remember what game that was. Tampa. Three nothing. Like yeah. Five minutes in. Yeah. 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 Um, anyways, so yeah, you do stuff like this to have fun with it. So in, in a season where you're getting pumped by Tampa three, nothing, five minutes in the fans and the listeners can still have something to engage with. And Hey, look, there's worse ways to uh, screw ourselves over than giving away podcast t-shirts to fans. We just generally try not to do, you know, 30, 35 <laughs> <the> time. <laughs> Red Wings, please. A power play goal will help everyone. It's a win-win here. Uh, oh, and to rub boy. And to rub salt in the wounds, currently, uh, as we record this, the Grand Rapids Griffins are playing. They are up one nothing on a power play goal scored by Michael Rasmussen, assisted by Dennis Chalosky and Taro Hirose. They are just mocking us at this point. You tweeted, Brad, uh, you're not sure if the hockey gods exist and if they do, they're cruel. It's definitely the latter. That goal yep. alone means the hockey gods exist and they are smiting Red Wings fans for what reason? Has it not been enough? So when will it be enough? Do you know off the top of your head how long Tyler Bertuzzi has been out for? Because I feel like it's been like nine months, but 
he's played he played half the game after the second or the second Dallas game on the 28th. So that was where they scored their last power play goal scored by none other than Tyler Bertuzzi. And they played half of the Florida game thereafter. I think, I think I forget, I forget what Tyler Bertuzzi looks like at this point. And he scored the last power play goal. Yeah. Yeah, man. (sighs) Look, I know Tyler Bertuzzi sat into one year as a bridge to kind of keep the conversation going. This team's different without Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you look at his two two or three power play goals. We talked about it when they happened. They were awful goals where it was just a terrible decision off a bad play and Bertuzzi just did something to make it work. One of them was literally baseball batting it out of the air, which is, you know, not really a game plan, but it's nice when it happens. Yeah. And uh, without that guy uh, pulling something out of nothing, in the front in front of the net or from the slot. Yeah, they can't do anything. They are finding new and creative ways to not score cuz we'll talk about uh yesterday's game against Chicago. The power play actually looked good. And they still didn't score. They just got to the point where I think fans have been screaming for for like the last 27 power play attempts which is just tee up Mantha and Zadina, just let them rip. And they did. And they almost yeah. put a bunch in. It was great. I think Zadina hit the post on one. There was a couple block shots. Uh, there was a couple redirections that led to some chaos. It, it was working. It's beyond it reproach at this point. It's it's taken so long, and they're just like they're literally just trying everything, shooting everything. I think I saw one of the Red Wings players like throw his glove into the net to try to trick the referee. <laughs> like it's beyond reproach. I have no more qualms with, I'm like, I'm not like, Oh, blast. will fix the power play. I'm like, okay, no, this is cosmic. Like this is, this is something to do with the universe. It's some kind of higher being. They're messing with us and the team and the fans. And we just have to wait until that, this omnipotent being gives up and gets tired of screwing with the city of Detroit. And please just let them score a single power play goal. Yeah. Um, who was it? Anzar Khan was tweeting out, uh, power play uh, units and roles today from today's practice. And the first power play unit had Dylan Larkin net front and Evgeny Svechnikov. Yeah. Remember him? Evgeny Svechnikov on left half wall. Sure. I don't care. I'm a big fan of something different. Doesn't matter. We want to play Larkin net front. Fine. I remember he scored a goal from the crease against Edmonton once might work. Why not? Evgeny Svechnikov, he might be just holding a spot for Nemesnikov or, hey, welcome back, kid. <laughs> See if you can get a power play goal. I don't care. Try If Blasha wants else. to get in there and take a point shot, I'd be like, yeah, well, if Blasha wants to take a shot, that's fine. You know, yeah, Al Sabacha wants totally, to get out there? Hell yeah. I'm totally okay with it. The only thing they haven't done yet is the one thing I want them to do, which is I want Zadina and Mantha on the same power play unit. Because you need shooting threats from both sides, and Philip Hronik just hasn't been that this year. I know that one of them is going to be on their strong side, which isn't ideal for a power play. I would prefer Zadina there because he's got a better natural wrist shot, snapshot, whatever you want to call it, whereas Mantha's got a better one-timer. But if you if they play Mantha deep on the right side and Zadina loops up to the high circle and just walks into one from there, he can score. He's got a good enough shot that that's a threat, which means... Yeah, he's not going to score most of the attempts from that. It's still a reasonably low odds shot, but they have to play him, which opens up Mantha. So 
they got the right mentality last game. Now they just need to make execute better on that mentality because the only downside to them force feeding Manthan Zadina last game was Chicago knew it and blocked about 75% of those shots. The ones I got through either hit the post, the goalie had to make a good save or it caused chaos in the crease. So still a net positive, but yeah, if 60 to 70% of those get through, one's going to go in. So just got to get Chicago or whoever they're playing next spread out a little more. But like I said, at this point, I don't care. Try anything, anything. Christian juice net front. Fine. I don't care. On that note, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And Evan's not here today, uh, which would have been hard for you to know if you're not watching on YouTube because <laughs> often you might not hear Evan until 15 or 50 minutes in, either or. Um, I <clears throat> Evan was called. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? What a ridiculous thing to have to keep up with. The the whim the whims and folly of Evan Lobsinger are impossible to keep up with. We can barely do it, and we know the guy better than anyone else. So yeah, that was a that was a brave Twitter account that, that tried that for a while. <laughs> um on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, um, we are gonna be talking about the two uh games against Chicago, the Red Wings upcoming games, special teams, certain players what have you. Uh, And then we will be discussing news from around the league, mainly the uh, mess in the desert, the big story that dropped about the Arizona coyotes and their ownership, and then probably just jumping into overtime. Um, And for those who are watching on YouTube, uh, frankly, I don't know what this video is going to look like in terms of the the format. Um, There is just a bunch of like stupid backend stuff, but Evan's usually the one who takes care of recording before I get into the video editing. So we're using a different service. It's in beta. If it's going to be reliable, I'm not sure. This might just be a waveform episode. I'm going to do my best. And if you have any complaints, please re- redirect them to at HockeytownEvan on Twitter. That's where you should send all of your complaints. Um, okay. So the Red Wings, uh, from the last time we spoke until now, played two games against the Chicago Blackhawks. And can I just open by saying I freaking hate hate losing to the Blackhawks hate it so much anyhow it kills me inside I was actually I was a guest on a Blackhawks podcast before the season started and I little did I know what I was walking into I I said we, we talked about this like the rivalry and how we hate losing to each other no matter how much you're trying to quote unquote tank any given season you don't want to lose to each other so I said the worst thing that could happen would be they split the season series 4-4. What I would like to happen is one team wins 8-0 because the other team's going full draft pick and the other team gets to enjoy the wins and, and there's no ties, there's no splitting the difference. It's all or nothing. I know long-term this is the better end of it to be on, but God damn, do I hate it. Do I hate it? And it's And like circling back to the hockey gods, not counting overtime, between the six periods of hockey the Red Wings played against Chicago over the last two games, Detroit was the better team for five of them. And they got one out of a possible four points. Hockey's not yeah. fair sometimes. And when we talk about you can be as good a team as you want if you don't have finishers, if you don't have uh, elite talent, this is what you get. 
You just can't compete. The Red Wings had a play. They had three goal, three players closer to the net than the Hawks goalie, and they had the puck, and it didn't go in. You can't even make it up anymore. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's long-term good. In a rebuild, the positive is moral victories do count because the standings don't really matter. Great. You still need some actual victories, though, for the sanity of it all. Yeah, both losses were heartbreaking, but the first one was truly crushing. Like, first of all, that was a great game by Christian Juice. Um, the way he stepped in and took that shot. Was it anything like out of this world highlight of the night? No, of course not. But it was still a great play that you saw from the point. Um, it's kind of what you want your defenseman to be able to do when they activate uh, off the blue line and step in a little bit like that with the puck. And yeah, like he, you said, Brad, he's sorry to get on that. He's my favorite player now because literally the episode before the day before he scored that I talked about how he was doing that exact thing very well and just hadn't been lucky on it. 24 hours later, he does it and scores. My yeah, God, it's, the, it's the first time in this history of the podcast I've seemed smart. <laughs> yeah, usually things happen soon after we record, like big news drops or something different than what we were talking about happens and we look stupid. Like it's really the podcaster's curse. Was it Dangle? They had a they ripped on, you know, the idea of picking up Galchenyuk for like 20 minutes in their episode. And then like eight hours later, the Toronto uh, picked up Galchenyuk off waivers or something like that. It's just it's what happens with podcasts. No matter how you try to plan it, there's no way around it. Um, and so when that happened with Juice, I'm like, oh, nice. Brad got one there. That's a good win. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was a good game. And, and like you said, Brad, they at five on five. By no means is this a good team or even an average team at five on five. But what they are doing is playing to a level where you're like, finally, this is a team that's not playing catastrophically bad. They are holding their own. Is it pretty hockey? No. A a friend of mine, Brad Crisco, always says it's low event hockey and it's excruciating to watch. But if you couple that with, you know, good low event hockey, which is making the other team frustrated and it's you make it difficult to play against you. And then you get the odd chance, either lucky or, you know, Christian juice makes a nice play that translates into points on the board that translates into opportunities for wins. And that translates into a lot more one goal games rather than, you know, seven, two blowouts or whatever it is. So yeah, over these, those two games, I was really happy with the Red Wings five on five play. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. That's not a playoff level team. I'm not saying any of those things. Of course not. They have such a long way to go. But when you talk about a team who you expect to finish 28 to 31st in the league, you would still want them to play as about as well as the Red Wings have against Nashville and Chicago these past four games or however many it is. They're keeping up with who they should, who they should keep up with. What kills me is the heartbreaking way in which they're losing to the Blackhawks. Yeah, but to... Get back to the point because don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Red Wings are a barn burner team, but going back at least four games now to the first game against Nashville um, uh, to give Blashill or whoever's idea it was credit. The Red Wings have been noticeably more aggressive. Um, They're not as aggressive as a Vegas or some of the other better teams in the league because quite honestly, I don't think they can be. They're not fast enough and they're not, skilled enough to be able to pull that off, but they've been more aggressive. Their shot totals are creeping up around 30 every game now versus the 20 we were seeing for the first chunk of the season. Um, 
less chip and chase. Um, I mean, the bottom six is still chipping and chasing, but like we've mentioned a hundred times, I don't think that's because they're, I think that's because they're not capable of doing anything else um, except for the one Adam Ernie rush a year. But yeah, the, the top two lines, they've been carrying it in with possession. It's been working. They've been more aggressive in terms of shots and looking for lanes and quicker transitions and the defense are activating more. So they, they flipped a switch and I'm, it sucks that they only won one of those four games, but they've been the better team in all four of those games, especially at five on five. Any power play success, and they're probably they've probably won the last four games. Like that's the reality of it. That's how close these games have been, and how not like that they were dominating, but how distinctly better Detroit was than Nashville and Chicago at five on five. Um, so it's it's refreshing to see because that was my biggest gripe with Blashill at the beginning of the year. Don't get me wrong. I'm still probably in the boat of, yeah, let's move on from him in the offseason for his numerous other flaws with special teams, player deployment, personnel, yada, yada, yada. But this was one of my biggest criticisms and and it doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. He, he flipped a switch and it's funny. I was actually in physio the other morning for one of my uh, variety of injuries and issues, but, um, Long story short, to kind of go on a side tangent to relate it back to this, I've got a bad knee problem, which I mentioned before that I've been dealing with. And it turns out most of the issues are coming actually from my uh, an issue in my hip, in my left hip. So right now, even though I'm in physio for my knee, the last four weeks, all we've worked on is my hip and my hips. Like just because until we get that right, the problems below it are just going to keep recurring. So it's like, okay, let's perfect this. And then we can work on the knee. Now I I'm kind of galaxy braining this, but if this is Jeff Blaschel's mentality, it's almost brilliant. Where at the beginning of the year, he's like, we were catastrophic defensively last year for the first chunk of the season. We are only focusing on defense and we're not worrying about a goddamn other single thing until you guys get that perfect. And then when we noticed Detroit was 13th, 14th, 15th in the league in, in five on five uh, goals against. Okay. That's good. Especially relative to their talent level. They are a legitimately good defensive team, but they were generating nothing offensively less than nothing. So Blashell's like, Oh, might be thinking, okay, we've got this down. Now let's be more aggressive. This is our fallback. Once you're done doing whatever you're on the offensive zone, this is what I expect, but go the leash is off. Have fun with it. And they haven't sacrificed anything defensively other than the odd noticeable lack of talent, making a mistake, which is going to happen, but they've been holding, you know, Chicago's a good offensive team. They, they held them to what? Five goals. One of them is an empty net, or one of them was an overtime over the last two games. That's not bad at all. So if, no, if that no, is, not at all. yeah. So if that was his mentality, that's that's honestly a, a brilliant strategy because he knows standings don't matter this year. So it looks like that's the progression they followed, and it's working. It just lack of talent. The Red Wings don't have enough elite players to be able to create goals out of bad situations or when Chicago's playing a good defensive game like they were the other day or yesterday, they didn't have enough to be able to overcome it. And that's going to happen. That's fine. Their goalie played good. They had some bad luck, whatever. It's not the end of the world, but it's I'm impressed with the way the Red Wings have been played the last four games 
It hasn't been crazy low event hockey. They've been they've stayed sound defensively, and they're generating more offensively, especially considering who they have to use to get to generate the offense. Because I mean, Larkin and Manth are great. Zadine is getting there. Bobby Ryan's fine. Fabry has his moments, but there's not a whole hell of a lot else behind them. So. Someone I criticized last episode was uh, Matthias Broma. I said he hadn't been too impressive <clears throat> in his recent stints and that when he what like after he was sent down, blah, blah, blah. And then he came back up. I was like, hey, he wasn't really that great. I do think he looked better. Is there anything to show on the board for it? No. And that will have to change at some point. Although you then factor in how much opportunity is there on a team that's scoring under two goals a game on average. So uh, no, I, I thought he had some better games. Still not like out of this world. Um, I love that they went with Larkin, Mantha, Zadina. They just said, like, I, I, I thought that was fun. And, you, you know, did they score? No, but who does on the Red Wings? Hey, they had a lot of chances. And I think I saw a, at one point, yeah, towards the end of the game, uh, their Corsi four percentage was something like 73. So they, they were literally dominating when they were on the ice. Um, so your was, expected was, goals are belong to us. Yeah, if you want the puck, good luck. Um, but yeah, they were they were playing fantastic. And honestly, like when Burt comes back, like that this creates the opportunity. You don't have to shoehorn Bertuzzi back into that line because Fabry and Bobby Ryan have been playing well the last four games. So if you take Brome off of that line and put Bertuzzi there, that's a whole different dimension there. So I don't know if if the Red Wings can get a game in this season where they're healthy and playing more aggressively. I'm not going to go so far to say I'm excited to see it, but I mean, I'm kind of excited to see it, which is not something I thought I would say at any point this season, especially after the way it started. Um, which one was that having a tantrum in the background, Mika or Hank? Oh, Mika. Hank goes to bed like a king. It's Mika is the one who, when it's... Uh, Time for lights and TV off that. No. <laughs> um, so that was obviously the, the first game Detroit played. That was on Monday against Chicago. Heartbreaking OT loss. That was um, their first points streak of the season. So their first official points streak of the season. So three points in, in two games. Wow. Um, and then the next game, obviously, that was last night, which is why we're recording on a Thursday and not a Wednesday. Um, that was last night's 2 nothing loss. <sighs> the Red Wings got shut out. It was really more like a one nothing loss before the empty netter. Um, extremely, extremely rude, I think, for Kurashev. And I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. How dare you walk Troy Stetcher like that? after everything good that's been happening with Troy Stetcher. Like Troy Stetcher was one of those very few hashtag nice things that we've had as Red Wings, as a Red Wings fan. Like he even like saved a couple sure goals in that game. And he's just been a great signing in additional year. And then for Kurashev to just like pull him inside out so cleanly like that. I was like, come on, that's an insult. That's a slap in the face. That's rude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's a beautiful goal to watch, but that's like offense 101 as an attacker that Stetcher should know better because defensemen are taught to he generate Yeah, d- defensemen are taught to generate power through your crossover, but when you are when the forward is coming in on you, no crossovers cuz you don't know what way he's going, so make sure your feet are set. Stetcher started to cross over to the outside cuz Kershev was leading that way. And then 
forwards know when you put the puck under the triangle, there's nothing the defenseman can do other than take body position on you, except Stetcher's crossovers were taking him the other way. So as soon as Kurishev did that, he was done. The only hope Troy Stetcher had there was A, Kershev would just randomly fall, or B, John Merrill would bail his ass out, neither of which happened. And unfortunately, Stetcher's going to be, and us are going to be watching that goal on every highlight for at least the next week. It was already bad enough seeing the PS Suter hat trick like every single every single day I turn the TV on and it's anything hockey related. It's PS Suter and his freaking hat trick against the Red Wings. Um, but yeah, that was uh, I felt that in my bones as a as a uh, former defenseman. I don't know if you knew that, Brad, but I used to play defense. Just the moment you overcommit with both your skates and your body. And you know, you know the moment you move. And if you're playing a half decent player, which I heard they have those in the NHL, they they take advantage and they clean your clock and you are just going the wrong way. And then what choice do you have but to reflexively try to catch them as they're going past? If they're slow or they tripped up or they, you know, they didn't deke at the perfect time, you can sometimes salvage that play or even get a hand on them for a hold and just take the penalty instead of letting them walk in clean. But the worst feeling is when you get crossed inside out and then you whiff with the hand, the stupid hand push to empty air as they blow past you. They're already a state over. I can't tell you. It brought back a sinking feeling in my chest that I have not felt since I've played. <laughs> you just get walked like that. And you're just like it happens. It happens to every NHL defenseman. Like by no means should you just come in and all of a sudden shit all over Troy Stetra. No, it, it happens to everyone. He made a mistake. He got burned. You won't see him doing it much. He, he's definitely going to be that one's going to be keeping him up, keeping him up at night. But yeah, that's uh, that's what defensemen have nightmares about. That play specifically. Oh yeah, that was as, as soon as I saw it. I just it was a long like I'm going to see this goal. A hundred more times. And that's going to be a hundred more than I ever care to see it again. Although after this game, because someone brought up a really interesting point that I hadn't yet thought about. Christian Juice and Troy Stetcher are both playing very well. We have a Philip Peronic who's been up and down this year, to put it politely. But we know long term, he's, he's a good top four defenseman. Jury's still out on Dennis Cholosky, so who knows what happens there. You're losing one of them to Seattle. Yeah, you really are. That's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, assuming, assuming their only saving grace here would be, I think Christian Juice is an unrestricted free agent after this season. Um, so if Eisman and him have a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we'll sign you after the expansion draft deal that that bails them out. But players like guarantees. So <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, it's it might be a problem, but I don't know. It's, it's nice to have a problem like this. It's it's a relief yeah. to be talking about, oh, no, we're actually going to lose a player we don't want to lose, which was not a thought in our head at all before the, before this season started. No. 18 months ago when we started getting questions about like, oh, do your Seattle mock. It was like we didn't not do them because we didn't feel like doing them. No, that's great content. But this it's the easiest answer. It's, it doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter. You're getting into protecting like the Danny DeKaisers of the team. Like it does not matter. You did not have the players to protect, to justify it. I think, I think at some point Detroit wouldn't be able to expose enough players. Like it was just stupid. So yeah, to, to get back in the realm where we're arguing about whether or not which defenseman we want to lose the least, like, no, of course, is it functionally a good thing? Absolutely not. Steve Eisenman hates this. Any self-respecting GM is going to hate this, but for the millions and millions and millions of dollars they're getting from Seattle's expansion fee. But it means your team's doing a little better. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a litmus test for, hey, we're not in the shitter completely, just only so, kind of. So here's the only point. Um, I don't I, I don't remember the exact parameters, but you have to expose a certain amount of forwards and a certain amount of defensemen who played a certain amount of NHL games the year before, right, that are under contract. Essentially, you can't just expose seven AHL defensemen to Seattle. All right, so let's let's assume Chalosky doesn't work out at all. So let's just say they're willing to lose him. Okay, so you protect Stetcher, Juice, Heronic, assuming Juice has signed a contract. So who are the other defensemen on this team that would have played enough games to meet the criteria? Mark Stahl, John Merrill, and Patrick Nemeth. Unrestricted free agent, unrestricted free agent, unrestricted free agent. If they aren't careful, they'll have to expose Stetcher or Juice. They'll have to. They won't have a choice unless the Kaiser makes a miraculous comeback and plays a boatload of games to finish out the season, which I'm not betting on happening, which is going to be an, a weird juggling act. So we, we have to be prepared for the possibility. Now, my preferred option here would be you sign Merrill, you sign Nemeth. Hope they get picked. If not, whatever. It's a body for next year. Who cares? Um, so puts Detroit in a weird position that we didn't think they'd be in. And and frankly, it's a bit of a relief just to even be in that position. Yeah. So it's strange talking so positively when uh, the Red Wings lost twice to the Blackhawks, one in a heartbreaking overtime, one they got shut out. They didn't even manage to score a goal. They're 0 for their last 30 on the power play, one for their last 39. It has been... Uh, three, 21 days at the time of this recording since the last power play goal. Oh, fun fact. I worked this out earlier today and I, I actually tweeted about it. Um, I'm sure you saw this, Brad. If the Red Wings fail to score on their next two power plays, their power play percentage will be 6.9% on the year. Where's I did not see that. I did not yeah. see that, but I can't bring myself to say nice about anything with this power play. <laughs> well, you know, can't if, do they it. Play, if, their, if their power play runs like it did last game, where you felt that the players felt it, I'm sorry, that they're going to have to score eventually or it's rigged. There's a magnet in the puck and it's just something stopping it. No, like they're going to have to score eventually. I if they have continue my, to play like they did. I have my prediction, whether or not it comes to fruition or not. Tyler Bertuzzi's first game back, Hironik's going to take a oh, bad yeah. shot through traffic that's going to bounce in off his ass on the first power play attempt they have. <sighs> I hope not because Tyler Bertuzzi is not even skating yet. So it might be a little while. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. Um, Mel said to me, I was laughing slash crying to Mel about the, uh, the shirt thing and how it's biting. Well, not biting us in the ass, but it's just funny how long it's going. She's like, are they going to score on the power play at all this year again? And I, I was halfway through saying like, oh yeah, obviously. And then I went, well, <laughs> you know, uh, it would be crazy. Really much- but- there's only about two thirds of the season left. Like you don't know. Yeah. 
I, which, which is weird. I, I've been Googling trying to find out what the longest consecutive streak is for power plays without a goal. And every stat I can find is only playoffs. It's weird. I can't actually figure out what the longest drought is. I had it. I pulled it up and that note is gone in front of me and I won't. Uh, we don't have the luxury of having two different people or three people on the show today. So I won't make us sit on air while I scroll through my um, very messy stats notes. Anyways, the Red Wings are now playing a, a mini series against, I'm going to keep calling them series, uh, against the Panthers uh, Friday at 7, Saturday at 5 Eastern, I believe. So two more games before we talk next episode. Or God, I hope by then we have a power play goal to talk about, which is that's just got to be the absolute bottom of a podcast team, a team podcast content. I hope we have a single power play goal to talk about next episode. What a departure between like us and Dangle, who is like, hey, let's cover the Leafs again, having a catastrophic loss where they blew a 5 1 lead to the worst team in the league. Could you imagine Detroit coming back from a 5-1 this year? It's unfathomable. Yet the one team oh worse than them did. Think of how insane Detroit Twitter would be. Like every people would be through the roof. I would drive down to Detroit and just like blare my car's horn relentlessly as if we won the Stanley Cup. Oh man. Well, if we if we could be so lucky to have that, I'd be over the moon. Just one game where we have a huge comeback. Yeah, and against a team like the Leafs, like in terms of points, the number one team in the entire NHL as of recording, there's only two teams in the entire NHL that have a better points percentage than the Leafs. Um, and they've played much less games. Um, yeah, coincidentally enough, one of them is the Florida Panthers. So that's fun. But uh, yeah, so I guess, I guess we'll get the opportunity because there's a reasonable chance we'll be down 5-1 at some point in the next two games. <laughs> oh. It's funny teams like Florida Panthers where, like I said, I've been saying for how many years now, this is a team that has the tools to be better than they've been, but they've just never put it together. And I think this is the first year where I was like, I've given up on trying to advocate for the Panthers and them coming through. And of course, that's when they actually come through and play better than they should. Yep, Um, exactly what happened to me. Uh, So that's the Red Wings upcoming schedule. Other news from around the league, uh, Katie Strang, um, phenomenal reporter over at The Athletic, released, oh man, one hell of a story about the Arizona Coyotes. If you guys subscribe to The Athletic and, and have an opportunity to read that piece, um, Katie's fantastic. And that piece was just, <laughs> there was so much to take away. Um, and there's a oh, lot boy. to cover here and we're we're going to. But you want to know the part, Brad, where I was like, no, take the franchise away from this guy. Like, take it away. When ownership stepped in and blocked, didn't approve expensing pizzas going into overtime for the team who needed the energy boost in playoff hockey. You you wouldn't expense pizzas for the team? In the and playoffs? What's the dude's name again? Alex Marullo? Yeah. Morello? Something like that. So let me start by saying that I can't really talk about this without some bias because I've actually worked for two companies where the owners were textbook like this guy. First of all, just a little bit of life advice. If any company ever says, oh, we're a family but they give you grief about the first time you need a favor. Like, oh, my kid's sick. I need to stay home. Or, oh, I've got a dentist appointment. I need a little bit. And they, they're not a family. Get the hell out of there. That All that all they're trying to do there 
is say, hey, we're a family. You need to do us favors because we're a family. No, they are using that as a guilt mechanism to get every last drop of whatever the hell they need out of you. So as soon as I saw that in Katie Strang's article, I'm like, okay, I've got a gut feeling. I know where this is going. And I was just about right. One thing about this article that I think a lot of people are misconstruing is the unpaid vendor agreements. Because I've also seen this before. Alex Murillo's net worth is $2 billion. He, he does not have a cash liquidity issue. He does not have an issue paying these debts. It's a power move. He's trying to establish dominance, power, and save a few bucks while doing it because he's like, you want my money? I'll give you money, but I'm giving you less. I can wait. Can you wait? I'm a bigger company than you. I don't think you can wait. Yo, what do I owe you? A million dollars? I'll give you 600 right now. If not, maybe I'll drag this out a little more. That's all it is. Not expensing pizzas to the dressing room. Power move. What what would five pizzas cost him? Maybe, maybe a hundred bucks. No, no, he's, he's probably, he was probably pissed at someone and he's like, no, screw you. We're not doing this. The dressing down of employees in big meetings, any good boss when they have to, you know, lay into an employee because, hey, employees screw up and you need to tell them they screwed up. A good boss will do that in private, in a one-on-one meeting. As when when you hear, oh, he's doing it in a meeting with twenty people in the boardroom, and he's just laying into someone. Power move, power. He wants everybody to look at that guy like he's nothing, and he wants to, them to look at him like he is king shit, and he can do whatever he wants. That's what this is. This is a guy is classic textbook narcissistic power controlling prick and everything in that article pointed directly to it. I'm sure there's a better way of phrasing it than I am. But like I said, I've had to deal with these type of people personally. And I, I have no time at all for wealthy people who act like this. None, zero. I have no time for people who are poor and act like this, but unfortunately they don't have the power to be able to do it. Um, so it's, it's textbook. If someone, if you go into an, uh, if you work for a company and they say they're like a family and then you tell them, Hey, my kid's sick. I can't come in today. And they're like, don't worry about it. Like we'll cover the day for you. Don't worry about it. That's actually a company that's going to treat you like a family. If they are supportive in everything you do, they help you, yada, yada, yada. You can pick out pretty quickly if that company actually has a family-like environment. That ain't it, chief. And the from the sheer number, like as Katie early in her article reported how many people she talked to, it was staggeringly high. So... If you are talking to that many people and you're getting the same story, you know, this is all, none of this is proven. This is just what Katie said, but I'm believing it fully and thoroughly. Um, And then to see their statement after, oh my God, yeah, I read the, the best part. That is I the read the best part. The, the statement that the team put out only made me. That, that was the proof that I'm like, yep, yeah, everything in that article is a thousand percent true. 
They, even in their statement, they couldn't help but brag about how wealthy Mr. Marullo is. And then Bill Armstrong, the GM, who wasn't even the focal point of the article, just in, in his statement, oh, buddy, did you throw yourself under the bus there? You're going to... You're going to accuse Katie Strang, a legend in the hockey media world, of hacking into your computer and stealing information. <laughs> You're going to threaten her with legal action. Katie Strang didn't get where she is in hockey media by doing shady shit and lying. She, she does her job better than probably anybody in the industry. So when she nails you to the wall, you're done. Now, because your owners are also pieces of shit, you are not. Nothing's going to happen to you. Your reputation might get dinged. You don't have anything to worry about there. Just ignore it. Bill, you just ignore it. You weren't the focal point. You, Yeah, there were some shitty things said in there about you that were probably true. Who cares? Nobody was talking about you. You made it about you when you threatened all, with all that garbage. Just yeah. an absolute mockery of an organization. The part that got me was, I think, was it Bill? Did, I can't remember if someone was quoted as having heard this from Bill or, or Armstrong said it himself. He's like, people texted me, like friends texted me to say, don't take this job. And like, when you're going oh from assistant GM to GM, like that's a great opportunity. That's an opportunity a lot of you know people in the NHL who are trying to catch their break that's how they do it they go from assistant gm or some kind of uh, assistant or or not full gm and they get their jump not on the same team but another team that's how it worked for Eisenman with Tampa Bay um the specifics of that we won't go over again but still and when you have that opportunity and your friends are saying hey pass up on this it's not good to work there like that's pretty damning when your statement to uh you know these reported f- claims about you and and if you want to put out the fire and in your statement you don't even really say like oh these are absolutely untrue blah 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 but instead you say we'll threaten legal action you know (laughs) we've seen this dance before i don't like uh we're not we're not adjudicating here on this podcast but we're also not stupid, you know, and fans also aren't stupid and they're going to see this and they have seen this and it's, it's just a laughing stock and it's, it's a shame. And the Arizona Coyotes shouldn't be a mockery of, or of an organization because frankly, they can't afford to be a mockery of an organization. Hockey in the desert has come as it spent just as much time being so close to working as it has been uh, spent time like floundering in the desert. And it's just like, it can't spend too much more time floundering. Quebec City is ready for an NHL team. Houston is probably ready for an NHL team. Also, while I'm on that note, a serious note here. Um, anybody who has friends or loved ones or any um, listeners who are in Texas, uh, we hope you're okay. Um, really, really tough situation down there. And if anyone has the opportunity to help or make a difference, or if you know a way to help and you want to use us as a signal boost for that, please, by all means. Um, I know there's there's quite a few listeners down in Texas, so we hope everyone's doing well. I digress. Um there are cities ready for an NHL team, and Arizona is always front and center. They're even more more uh, forward in that conversation than the Panthers, who people talk about relocating a lot. You cannot afford to screw up this badly. The NHL cannot afford to have an owner doing these things. The NHL can't even really afford this, this story for the, the Coyotes. They can't afford the story right now in the pandemic. They have too much other shit, real shit to be dealing with. 
Gary Bettman cannot afford to be dealing with this right now. But you know what? It falls on Gary Bettman and everyone else who approved this ownership. As much as I praise Gary Bettman for being a shrewd businessman and doing what he can for the NHL, the the Coyotes are a a uh, I don't want to call it a stain, but it's a it's a tacit failure right now. Hockey in the desert. It's not come through and and it's it's decisions like this and ownership like this and situations like this that make it that way if it turns out where this all just gets sorted out on the side and it fizzles out which i kind of doubt based on the magnitude of the story then whatever but if it if if this progresses i don't know like you're looking at a situation where i'm not sure about the short-term future of this team like i don't know where they're going to be in a year or two that's tough that's tough so the issue with the Coyotes short term, I think for once is probably actually a relief for them that it won't be financial, but it'll be what's actually going to happen with the organization. Cause this is a team that's already lost a second round pick that does not have their first round pick in this upcoming draft has already lost Steve Sullivan, John shake and a number of others out of their front office to a variety of reasons. But, Based on everything we talked about, it sounds like they all just want to get the hell out of there. So what's going to happen now that this team has this reputation? Are they going to be able to function as a capable hockey front office? That's going to be the question. Are there, when there are vacancies, are they going to be able to fill them with qualified people? Because when businesses get reputations like this, it it hurts. Like I've, I've seen it firsthand at like at one of the jobs I was referencing where after I left, I, I text a friend of mine who was still working there four months later and 35% of the workforce was gone. So I don't know. I, I think like, obviously the carriers are going to continue to exist, but in, in what capacity is going to be the question. Yeah. You know, I don't want to pretend hockey is some like mystical enigma in the world of business. And you really, there's only way to know how to run a hockey team is to be embedded in hockey from the moment you're born. No, I, like the NHL is so big. These teams are corporations. Like there, I'm sure there's a lot of analog there between the the corporate world and running an NHL team. Probably more overlap than we even like to think because, you know, we think of hockey as this pure sport and it's purely for our entertainment and emotion and our feelings. But no, they exist to make money. It's a business. Um, so I, I don't want to discredit um, – the coyotes ownership or, or their management style purely on that, but I kind of do. It, well, if, if the story is, <laughs> if you read into the story, it looks like it's that taken to the nth degree, right? Like coming yep. in and treating it like a, not a professional sports organization. And you don't even like, even if you want someone who's a shrewd business person, um, on the business side of things and leaving the hockey ops to the hockey people, that's a business model that's worked for some NHL teams. Um, but when you have like ownership and the ownership son and, and people who just were never involved in hockey, getting their hands into hockey decisions, you're just going to run into mistakes like stupid draft pick they made when everyone knew on their boards had not only questions about his past, but, uh, what's the kid's name? Miller Mitchell Miller. Yeah. Um, not only the questions about his past, but like the team's own psychologist, I think it was, said they didn't feel that the kid showed proper remorse or any kind of like, you know, learning from the incident. So they didn't think that he was mature enough to, to that they could bank their highest draft pick on. It was a fourth round pick, but still. Um, that's the kind of stupidity and just raw, unforced error that, that the, the organization can't afford, the NHL can't afford. Look, 
we laugh a lot about like hockey in the desert. We're Canadians. Like the uh, the three of us on the show, we're all Canadian. Um, I grew up watching Detroit from across the river, but that's a, as close as we are. So like, you know, there's a lot of high and mighty uh, people from big hockey markets or up in Canada who look at, you know, non-traditional markets like Arizona and they laugh and they go, ah, ha, 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 that's not where hockey belongs. But the reality is for the long-term health of the league, play, hockey needs to thrive in places like in California where it did largely in part to people like Wayne Gretzky and some pretty, you know, good strokes of, of genius there. Or in Florida, where in Tampa Bay, they just won a cup. Um, or in Texas, where, you know, Dallas is uh, a storied franchise and Houston wants a team. And in places like Arizona. As hockey fans, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a pretty dedicated hockey fan. It's easy to lose sight of this. But for the game to be healthy and for the game to keep growing, it needs to reach new markets. It can't just keep tapping hockey fans. It needs to create hockey fans. And you do that in places like Arizona. You do that in places that are non-traditional hockey markets. You make them traditional hockey markets. And I'll tell you, they've they've cocked it in Arizona. They've completely screwed it up in Arizona. It's not worked, even though it really should have by now. And they need to fix it. And they need to fix it now because this is a microcosm of what is holding the NHL back from really being one of the major professional sports. It is. Of course it is. It technically qualifies, but there's a reason it's always fourth out of four in every kind of metric uh, there is in tracking those professional sports leagues. And depending who you talk to, it's not even fourth anymore. NBA, NFL, MLB, NASCAR beats it out a lot. Like it's not. Soccer is on the up and up. Yeah. Maybe mixed martial arts. You need to be able to to create those fans. And the product is there. The game is amazing. It's the greatest game on earth. The NHL is terrible at, at marketing itself. Holy shit, is it bad at marketing itself. And just like in the most brain dead ways. Like I know Connor McDavid plays in Edmonton, but you need to put him on at prime time. People need to be watching Connor McDavid. I don't care that Connor McDavid is boring off the ice. You cannot fix that about hockey players. That is way, it's a way different interview or issue. You're not going to make them an interesting interview. You'll sooner find the cure for everything in the world before fixing Connor McDavid's, you know, bland personality in an interview. But hey, show him skating real fast on TV to some people who haven't watched hockey. I promise you they'll like it. Put them on earlier. Even if it's an hour earlier, just put them on earlier. Stop, like, stagger the schedules. Someone actually made a good point when you tweeted that out today, Brad, about like, you know, six games are all in intermission at the same time. And someone said, um, and I'm sorry for the Twitter user, I, I, I thought I took down the name here, uh, but they said that's by design and that's for the advertisers. And I'm like, that's pretty smart. And I actually hadn't thought of that. But you got to be doing things to make this game more accessible to fans. Like, hey, if you're not the NFL, or you don't have the, the following that the MLB has, you can't afford to have the absolutely inaccessible blackout policy that you have. You need to make NHL TV or NHL Live cheaper, more accessible, screw blackouts. You need to market this game better. You need to. And, and yeah, it's a bigger spiel anyways. I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, you can argue, and I understand that point about the advertisers loving it. Cool. That's fine. So it's a pretty late night in the NBA and the MLB hasn't started yet. So maybe maybe a couple people accidentally tripped onto a couple of those games. Cool. They watch a first period. Oh, this is fun. I'll go watch another game. They can't find one. Well, there's only one game, but Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing. You think they're going to hold their attention that long? No. No, you will lose them. The Raptors versus the Bucks is not a small game. NBA fans will watch that over a hockey game. So if you somehow hook them in, 
You have to keep their attention. It's just, it's brain dead. And this, I'm not going to get into the spiel. People have heard me toss it around a million times. And it's just further proof. Market your players and let your players market themselves. Austin Matthews is a marketable guy. P.K. Subban is a marketable guy. You have a lot of personalities in the NHL. Let them showcase it. But that's not even a Batman problem. That's a hockey culture problem. And we can't get our own goddamn ways. So, whatever. Hopefully, Arizona gets their shit together. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, the story's unfolding. We'll see if they actually take legal action. It's a pretty textbook threat after you know having been accused of those things for the the organization to come out and bl- with bluster and force and threatening legal action and you know it's not new for reporters to face that kind of thing but a little bit of a sad response you kind of wish it wouldn't have gone that way yeah but yeah we'll see how it unfolds um classic streisand effect yeah yeah you know i don't want to say i even have the answer to how you would have responded differently because i wouldn't have wanted to be a part of whatever's happening over there regardless um you know i'm a dramatic person and i'm guilty of being over dramatic on this show i don't think it's unfair to say what happens in arizona will have big effects for considering the nhl's financial situation upcoming or currently i should say well it could be a long-term benefit for the league because maybe this finally gets a team in houston or quebec city we'll see so um that wraps up the main uh topics here red wings better at five on five still not scoring enough still not scoring enough power play goals um the arizona coyotes are an absolute disaster anything else that we want to cover before we uh jump into overtime here no just looking at the scores for tonight's games not a whole hell of a lot interesting going on other than ottawa getting shit kicked again And with that, um, we're going to jump into overtime. And to start off overtime, what we're actually going to do is talk about uh, the sponsor of this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, which is the FanDuel Sportsbook, um, a company that we are a sportsbook that we're really thrilled to partner with. Uh, They're the number one sportsbook in America for a lot of different reasons. Uh, It's easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are quick and simple. You get your money back that you win in as little as 24 hours. Uh, and we've partnered with them to uh, to have our own promo code. So what you need to do to get a $1,000 risk-free bet, um, no strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. And if you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. What you need to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know we sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP so they know you came from the Winged Wheel podcast. What you can do is just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. And speaking of which, we're going to be talking about some of those bets that uh, we wish we could take part in and we hope that you guys do. So what do we have coming up for this weekend? Uh, let's look at some of the, the 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 betting lines and the odds. So we're recording on Friday. Um, the first series I'm looking at here is Chicago, Carolina. And that's a fun one. So Carolina is the favorite in this one. So it's, but, it's funny when you look at it. Chicago's actually got more points in Carolina right now, but the games played thing is throwing that right into chaos. Yeah, and you know what? The Red Wings just played Chicago two games, and yeah, it's the Red Wings. It's not an exceptionally difficult team to beat right now. We'll be honest about that, but still, Chicago didn't look bad. Kevin Lankinen has been impressive in net. 
Where did they find Kevin Lankinen? I'm pretty sure they made him in a lab. Is he just a random person off the street? I don't know. Let's ask David Ayers. But still, he's done well. They have players who are producing. It's not just the Patty Canes who are producing. It's not I it looked Duncan Keith didn't look bad, right? Am I crazy? He was fine. I won't say a- he was elite like he used to be. He was he was no, fine. No. When you have the Kurashevs doing what they're doing and you have the Canes doing what they're doing and you have um, uh, Boakvist, you know, playing on defense and Kevin Lankinen playing well in net. I don't know, man. I think that might be a good value bet to take Chicago at least one of those games against Carolina. Carolina's no slouch. I'm a big believer in the Hurricanes, but that that if you're looking for a, uh, a swing to kind of score some extra, some some plus EV there, that might be a good one. Okay, so I'm actually looking up some stats here because I I felt like Chicago would have been the textbook team this year to go on a PDO bender because they're missing two of their key players. Kevin Lankinen is a nobody playing out of his mind. Like that strikes me as PDO bender. So I went and looked up their PDO. 99.1. They're on the unlucky side of the scale so far, which is actually mildly staggering to me. In Carolina, not by much though. Like ninety nine, not by much. Within it's, it's, range, yeah. And Carolina, hundred point eight. So they are just slightly on the lucky side of things right now. But that's all pretty much in range. So yeah, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be tough. Here's the thing though, I'm a believer in points percentage. Chicago's got more points, but Carolina's a better team. And Carolina has been clicking since they got back from their COVID hiatus, all nice and rested and ready to ruin the rest of the division. Like they're tied, they have an identical record as the Tampa Bay Lightning. Has anybody really paid attention to that? We all knew Tampa was going to come in and just own this division, except they're not. They're tied with Carolina, and Florida's got a better points percentage, and Chicago's got more points right now. It's it's silly season, but hey, you know how we were always yelling like earlier in the episode you referenced, hey, I'm done picking Florida. I'm sick of picking Florida. Florida was the hipster pick for so long that they've gone the other way now. Now everybody's sick of picking them because they never lived up to it. That's Carolina, except Carolina's lived up to it the last two years. So I don't know. Okay. I like, so- I, I'm, I'm very pro hurricanes this season. So the Hurricanes are your, are your pick. I can't believe yeah. I'm doing this, but for our uh, for this this FanDuel sponsored segment, if anyone ha- is taking part in this app, my picks my picks the Blackhawks. There's two games. Which one you bet on? I I I'm at least splitting the two. I'm at least for one of the games taking the Blackhawks to win. I think that line is is yeah definitely Carolina is a favorite, but uh, of these series, I, I think the Blackhawks are most due to upset and win you some more money there. So that's what I would. Uh, that that's my pick. Um, okay, Edmonton, Calgary, because I just love the bloodbath <laughs> that is the Canadian division. Whatever the penalty minute totals are, take the over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing: another situation where the team with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and all these guys are not favored. Calgary is the favorite on these betting lines. Yeah, I can see that because as long as Miko Koskinen's your starting goalie, you're not going to ever be fully confident in your goaltending, even if Koskinen's been slightly better than people have given him credit for over the last year and change. 
It's McDavid and Dreisaitl. Jakob Markstrom just came off a game where he let in five against the Canucks. And it's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You just need average NHL goaltending if you're Edmonton. And you're walking into uh, a Calgary team that is not the defensive stalwarts they used to be. They're not bad. I mean, they're going up against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Connor McDavid put up, uh, just recorded his 500th career point, and it took him 64 games to go from 400 to 500. 64 games to hit 100 points. There's 56 games this season. You are telling me there is a chance Connor McDavid hits 100 points this year. That's insane. Whether or not it's a good bet or a bad bet, I I cannot bring myself to bet against McDavid. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to agree on this one. And I can't believe my first two recommendations, my first two picks uh, <laughs> for for these FanDuel bets are going to be the, the uh, odds underdogs. But yeah, I'm going to go with Edmonton here. Two games here between now and uh, and next episode in this little series. So, listen, when you can get talent, like a talent level of Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl as the dog, come on, yeah, yeah. right. Like that's just what come it comes on. down to. Are that's my win highly scientific. No, but yeah, that's my highly highly scientific reasoning. Come on, come on, come on, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Betting advice with Ryan and Brad. Come on, come on. Uh, and of course, a couple more series I want to focus on here. So let's look at the the two Lake Tahoe games. So first of all, Vegas against Colorado, and then after that is Philly and Boston. So let's start with Vegas and Colorado. Um, okay, so Colorado is not wearing the god awful blue gear for this game. <laughs> they are going to maroon gear, which can only be an improvement. And and they're wearing the Nordiques jerseys. Colorado by a thousand. Yes. <laughs> okay, but wait, where are they in the standings? What are the uh, the points percentages right now? Don't care. The Nordiques will not be denied. Those gold helmets are so awful, but I absolutely love them. I'm I love that they tried it. And now I hope they never do it again. <laughs> um bad. they hurt so bad. <sighs> I'm actually, I should take a second to say here, I'm impressed that the, uh, that it's actually happening. These Lake Tahoe games. Um, Have you seen the pictures that are coming out? It's beautiful. They're gorgeous. Yeah. They're absolutely gorgeous. Like the Um, the opportunity, the pandemic afforded us where we don't have to worry about crowds and like literally just the lake and the mountains in the background. Oh, I love it. You took Colorado, Brad. That is your, uh, that's your second. I did not take Colorado. I took the Nordiques. Oh, yeah. Nordiques, whatever. Uh, I got to go Vegas here. They are still looking like one of the best teams in the league. You know my infatuation with Mark Stone. And I think for a team that's leading the Honda West division with a considerable points percentage lead, 750 compared to Colorado's 654. I guess I wouldn't call that insane. No, I'll, I'll take Vegas. And then what was the other one I said? Boston, um, Boston, Philly, was it? Yeah, that sounds like two teams. Yeah, Boston, Philly. an outdoor game pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, Boston, Philly. So, you know, Boston is, uh, of course, leading. Uh, 
the East, but Philly is not too far behind in terms of points percentage. They're second in points percentage. So really, for the NHL, that's another tough fixture. <sighs> Boston with Pasternak back. Scary team to play, man. How is that guy so good? He's talking about being 20, was he 24, 26? And he's like, I don't feel the same after an injury. I feel like my body's getting older. I'm like, screw you, man. Listen, man, I'm in rehab for like three different things right now. I I don't have any sympathy. Um, outdoor game, let's be honest, as good as the ice makers are, these are usually scrappy games. This isn't one where Pasternak's going to be able to sit in his spot and tee off on one-timers because... There's no guarantee that puck's ever going to even sit flat for him on one of those ones. The ice in outdoor games is notoriously bad. So you watch most of them. They're chip and chase, grind it out, garbage goal type games. The only like really highlight real goal I remember in an outdoor game was Datsuk just splitting through Chicago. But he also used the canoe paddle. So bad ice conditions really didn't harm him all that much. Also, he's Pavel Datsuk. Uh, being said, I still think Boston's better suited to that type of game than Philly is. Both teams have been here, done that a million times with the outdoor games. So, yeah, I, I got more faith in Boston to be able to just kind of come in and impose their game plan in bad in, in a bad condition conditions, I'll call it, even if it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there on the Boston pick. And then the last uh, FanDuel Sportsbook uh, series we're going to make our picks on, of course, Detroit versus Florida. Look, I'm going to get <laughs> cute. I'm going to get cute with my picks here. Detroit has to regress to the mean eventually. We saw how close they came to putting that power play goal against Chicago. They've beat Florida before this year. I think Detroit takes the first game. Whatever you want to bet on the second game, whatever, I think Detroit takes the first game. And that's that's your underdog money right there. So I'm taking Florida for a sweep. <laughs> the last time they played Detroit won. You think Florida's okay with that? You think Florida's okay with that? And they're in a battle for first with Carolina and Tampa right now. Like this is a team, Florida, that is one of the top teams in the entire NHL, maybe even the top team in the NHL right now, points percentage wise. And they don't even have a firm grasp on first in their division. They have a ton to play for They're They should be playing pissed off. And Jonathan Huberto is a man possessed right now. So yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I Florida for the sweep. All right, those are our picks. Uh, if we could use the FanDuel Sportsbook, which we hope you guys do. Again, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know that you came from the Winged Wheel podcast. That's the FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code WWP. I you can't have to be wait 20- to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you have to be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. www1800 gambler.net in west virginia or call 1-800-270-7117 in michigan what are you gonna say brett yeah when um all my predictions turn out to be as bad and stupid as my hockey opinions generally are you can direct your complaints on twitter to at hockey town evan 
<laughs> and on that note, let's get into uh, our Patreon comments, where uh, uh, Overtime is uh, Patreon exclusive on midweek episodes. Um, good first comment here from AJ Voss. Nice and succinct. We like it. It's a great, insightful comment. Um, it's just <clears throat> pain. Uh, <laughs> Matt Keeler says, fire Blast Hill and I miss Burt. Yeah. Yeah, we miss Burt. We miss Burt, man. The power play misses Burt. Uh, Antonio Gracia says, the new Mortal Kombat movie trailer just dropped and it looks pretty rad. What movie do you want to see get a remake slash update for modern audiences? Would it be shot for shot with modern equipment and effects or would you change parts of the story to bring it up to date? Oh, that's that's a Good question. Really, really hope Terry's listening on this one. Um, You're going to hate my answer to this. You're really going to hate it. Actually, go. Go. Well, I don't want it right now. I don't want it right now. I want it maybe in like 10 years. But I want the Harry Potter series redone. (laughs) I... (laughs) I love the originals. I grew up on the originals. But I just think it'd be cool with some... Some... I don't know. I don't know why. It's just nostalgic. Although the the way that the stupid Fantastic Beast movies have gone, I'm sure that I would hate it. Yeah, you got to kind of got to be careful what you wish for because all the ones that immediately came to my head, I'm like, no, no, I don't want them ruining these. Um, and some of the ones that like I I, I remember really fondly from the nineties in that era actually hold up pretty well. So I don't even want them remade. Cause like my mind went to like maybe twister or independence day, Jurassic park, but those all hold up phenomenally. So I don't want them remade. So I don't know. Like I'd say slap shot, but goon kind of did that. I think a modern day mystery Alaska could be fun in the era of social media. And I know it's, it's kind of a cop out to pick a hockey movie, but yeah, I think there could be a fun little premise with that. And I, I wouldn't, I would tweak the story, but I, I think there could be a fun twist on that. My general rule is please stop remaking movies and come up with original stuff. Yes, please, uh, please for love of God. Former defenseman Ryan Hanna says, here's to hoping we don't score on our next two power plays. If you know, you know. Patreon exclusive idea, have Brad build a trabucket like I had to do in high school physics class. Oh, that'd be fun. Just out in the yard. See if you can build a trebuchet. Sure. Why not? I It uh, also occurred to me that this bit has been going on so long that we have listeners who may have missed or not have been listening at the time where that happened, where you accidentally mispronounced trebuchet's trebucket. And now people think that we actually say trebucket instead of trebuchet. So the joke's and, on all of us. And nobody, uh, and nobody understands, not nobody, but a lot of people don't understand the Winks and Pizza reference either. No, they don't. And they, they don't. never will. And they never will. RC Tendy says yes or no trade scenarios. Zach Warensky for a 2021 first. No. No. <sighs> I'm going to go no here. Jonathan Bergeron for a late first round pick. No. No, because you're really you're, your best Bergeron. bet there is Jonathan Bergeron, right? Yeah, Bergeron right now is was basically a late first round pick. He was one of the first picks in the second round, and he's outperforming his draft slot right now. So yeah, no. Uh, more excited for Rasmus Dalin. I mean, oh, yeah, I love Mo, but I'm doing that one for sure. Yeah, Jeff Plashill for two ham sandwiches with extra toenails. God, mm. I mm. toenails. I choose retirement just because I have that image in my head now. And finally, would you trade Evan to guarantee picking first in the 2022 draft? Oh, man. Evan, Absolutely. I love you, buddy, but without, without question. 
Uh, blocked by Marco Rossi says, Hey lads, where do you see forgotten man Joe Valeno next season? His production in the SHL isn't exactly show-stopping, but he's contributed pretty well. Looks like he's playing with tons of confidence. Also thrilled to see Gino finally get his shot, even if it's at Nemesnikov's expense. 50-50 split, Grand Rapids, second half in Detroit. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's it's pretty much what we're going to fall at. I'd probably edge a little bit more towards the AHL, just with the way things go. But yeah, I don't imagine he's not playing pro hockey in North America next year. The only way I change my answer is when his SHL season ends, because his SHL team's garbage, so he won't be there that long. And he comes in and has a really good uh, finish to the season with Grand Rapids. Then I could see him getting a good shot at the Red Wings for opening night. Ghost of Podcast Pass is question for all three of you. I'll answer for Evan. Um, not honestly. Uh, five years ago, the Red Wings signed all three of you to a 10-year contract. You get access to all the training facilities and support staff, etc. that the NHL players get. Every year, you get at least half the season in the NHL. How long until you score your first NHL goal, or do you think you ever score? Oh, so Not if I'm playing defense. Mm. Like, okay, well, what kind of role am I giving here? Am I seeing any power play minutes? Like, I would assume not, right? Like, I'm I'm fourth line, 10 minutes a night. Yeah. You're not getting first line minutes. Let's say you're getting bottom yeah. six minutes. Okay, and, and no special teams. Fine. 40 games. I am not I good at you, a... I don't think I I'm am, scoring in 10, se- in 10 seasons. <laughs> I am not good... Uh, and a lot of things in the game of hockey is like relative to the NHL level. I, I'm not elite at many th- at anything in the game of hockey. I am good around the net. My the whole reason I got as far in my hockey cr- minor hockey career and hockey career now as I have is because I can score. That's my only saving grace. So I'm not going to get many. I'll finish this every season probably with like a one goal, zero assist, negative thirty two. <laughs> But I, I, I will accidentally happen upon a goal, I would think. And I've seen Evan play. He's probably around the same timeline, I would think. He has more foundational strength to his game than I do, so he'll, do, he'll get it more honestly than I will. If I score, it'll be, uh, it'll be like, um, oh, he went to Edmonton. He didn't score until game 82. I can't remember his name. I always do this. Jayhan? Shahan, I'll be Riley Shahan. <laughs> Literally tenth season, forty first game, like my last game of the year in the NHL, and I'll, something will bounce off me. Allied Justin Abdelkader when he played with Pavel Datsuk. Uh, Cameron Swick says, "I'm looking to buy my first jersey soon. Do you think it's safe to get a number fifty three uh, cider jersey, or should I wait till he plays his first game?" I would always say wait till the first game, just because you never know what's going to happen with jersey numbers. Weird shit happens but yeah it's probably safe but i i'd still err on the side of caution uh brent rasmick says i know we talk about the red wings woes and bad contracts but hall skinner and eichel combined for three goals and 27 million dollars also do you see torts as a good head coach for this team or avoid at all costs uh not for this team no um i like tortorella as a coach although his shticks even starting to wear thin on me uh yeah i uh, not for where this team's at as for eichel if hey if they want to get rid of eichel by all means i would love to be on the team the team on the receiving end of that 
if you have all of those guys underperforming, maybe with the exception of Skinner, I think that's largely, you know, Ralph Kruger has to, has to be the one to pick up those pieces. If Skinner's not scoring, fine. Like Skinner, that was a bad contract from the start. If Hall's not scoring, new team, who knows? Jack Eichel's not producing. Yeah, it's too many coincidences in a row, in my mind. Uh, Max Leichtman says, uh, I'm hoping, I hope I'm saying your name right there, Max. And Max is a brand new patron says, uh, I started listening in summer of 2019, drawn to the podcast by the cider draft reaction joined as a patron a few weeks ago. Thanks for all the time you spend. And Max, thank you for your support question from the second Nashville game on a scale from one to 10 rate the troll job by the Nashville organist to start playing the Ohio state fight song immediately after Glenn Denning's goal and second point of the game. Do you think he practiced that and had it locked and loaded in expectation that Glenn Denning was going to burn them? Well, you, it could have also applied to Larkin there was, or Merrill. They had a few Michigan options there, but that is like next level trolling. And I respect the hell out of it, even though I hate it. Yeah, everyone who knows me knows my uh, pure unbridled hatred for everything Ohio State. But even I was like, yeah, all right, that's good um hockey virgin says hey guys just for fun frick marry or kill claude lemieux tom brady and historical figure which i won't bring up on this podcast um um marry tom brady for the money and i don't care what happens with the rest um <laughs> marry tom brady uh frick claude lemieux and we uh kill the person other one. Uh, a night in with Ryan Hanna. You guys aren't giving this bit up. It says, greeting everyone. It is I, the awesome Big Umami. No movie review, but an honest question. For myself and my co-host, do you try Blash with a different assistant coach set for one more year, or do you bring in a whole new staff? If I'm if I'm redoing anything, it's full scale. Yep. Agree 100%. Uh, Cameron Mugford says, hey, guys, a couple of quick questions. What level do you see Cider peaking at? True number one, good first pairing guy, etc. And second, with the top of this draft being so even, could you see the wings trading down within the top ten and acquiring another good asset? Uh, I trade downs are so rare inside of the top ten. I'm never ever gonna bet on that. Um, the counter argument to that is this is a draft where that would make some sense, but Detroit even tried doing it when they the draft where they picked Cider, it, it didn't happen. And then with Cider's ceiling. There's two ways to answer that question, so I'll answer it both ways. Does Is there a reality where Mo Sider is the number one defenseman in the NHL? Yeah. Yeah, if everything goes exactly right and better than we expected, I could see a reality where that happens. Where do I think he'll land? I think he'll land as a really good number two defenseman. Kind of like... My, my best case scenario for him is maybe a, a more physical Ryan Suter more in a more reality based prediction kind of like a, a more physical Hampus Lindholm Cody Stark says April 2nd is the day uh, Lefebvre and True will begin dispersing their goalie pad line I'm pumped to get a set we were sitting at a bar in Grand Forks last night after beer league watching the Oilers and Jets they showed highlights of the Wings game all my buddies started giving me shit about the nice Blackhawks goal look at your D get walk Stark Told him it was Stetcher who's got who got walked, and my friends, all being diehard, prideful North Dakota fans, all retracted their statements. Oh, Troy <laughs> played that the best he could. Just a super elite goal and courage. That was part. <laughs> it hurt us all. 
Uh, Jake Nagy says a little context for you on the Nielsen Glendening Ernie line. Blashell ran out in the lot in the final two minutes of a one nothing game. Since the start of 2019-2020 uh, season, that trio has logged 218 NHL games and has 30 points. Connor McDavid has played 18 games this season and already has 32 points. That's more points as an individual than Blashill's line of choice has had in 218 games. Pain, Jake. Pain. Vincent Saladino says, after some number crunching at this rate, the the Wings will win 12-ish games this season. How exciting. (laughs) Haroon Khan says, uh, what's the hockey reasoning or system or purpose of playing Nielsen or Neen Glendening? Not trying to be sarcastic. uh, Like, I just seriously want to understand why Jeremy Colleton is playing his rookies in tough scenarios and why Blashill relies on the fourth line uh, after great pressure. You guys seem, you guys know how systems work better than I do. And I'd really appreciate some insight into that. Uh, There there isn't. There isn't a good answer here. The answer is he's under orders from Steve Eiserman to keep the prospects the hell away from this tire fire for another year. There is no good excuse. There isn't. I don't care that Franz Nielsen kills penalties. He's not that good at it. I don't care that he wears an A on his jersey. That was a mistake from the beginning. I mean, we we can talk about PDO and who's played better, what games, but here's the reality of it, and I can't shake this fact, feeling, whatever you want to call it every time I look at it. Detroit and Chicago went into this season basically in the same position. They were near the bottom of the rebuild, both going to be contending for first overall in the NHL draft. They they were both bad teams. We Everybody talked about it. It wasn't just us. The, these were two teams racing to the basement, and these two teams took very different approaches. Chicago threw every young guy they could think of in the lineup and went, fuck it. Maybe it'll work. Who's Philip Kershev? He's a decent prospect. Cool. Oh, he's in the running for rookie of the year. Great. Who or what is a Pia Suter? Okay, well, he's in the running for Rookie of the Year now. Uh, what the hell is a Kevin Lankin in? Oh, he might get some Vesna votes at this rate. Chicago, and, and they didn't all work out. Brandon Hagel hasn't done anything, and there's there, a couple of their other young guys have been unimpressive. But they've hit on a few of them, and it's great for them. Detroit said, we're going to throw out all the old tried, tested, and true vets that suck. Chicago, by points, currently sits second in the division. Detroit is the second worst team in the NHL. I mean, I can't get past that. Chicago did what we've all been hoping the Red Wings would do for years and hasn't, and they're succeeding with it. Detroit's doing exactly what we knew they'd do. It's going just as, it's going even worse than we thought it would, better the last four games, but even worse than we thought on the season. And it's infuriating. I, I, I understand what Eisenman is doing around it, but I don't know what his plan for next year is because you can't put eight rookies in the lineup. So not questioning the Eiser plan, but I'm questioning the Eiser plan. Trent Boss says, what's your favorite Jeff Merrickism, i.e. a semi-radical change to the game's rules or presentation that you'd be curious to see? I've actually been oh, thinking God, about this. Oh, God, he's got so goddamn many. Uh, yeah. yeah there was one with- time we were talking off air, like you know, I think it was after a podcast we, where he jumped on. We should have him on again soon. Um, and he was talking to us, and he told us something that has stuck with me quite a bit and really kind of changes the way I've we've thought about doing the show and I don't know, interacting with, with listeners and fans, I guess is that he's like, if you, someone's always going to hate you. Someone's always going to give you shit for what you're doing. And you're just going to see more and more of that as you grow. And he's like, and you just have to learn how to sift the shit, the gold nuggets from the shit. And for the people who give you shit relentlessly, 
they mean nothing. But for the people with the nuggets in there, that's what's useful. I didn't put that as eloquently as what he told us, but it's been useful for when people are just like kind of assholes for no reason. But then when people are actually giving like honest, like, hey, here's some feedback, like that's that's what's useful. So for the the trolls, the burners and whatever, it's like, all right, piss off. You're very clearly just angry. Uh, it's nice to uh, like Jeff obviously has a lot of experience with you know, relentless trolls coming up through hockey media. Everyone's exposed to that. So yeah, that's, that's what sticks with me regarding Jeff. Not as fun. That's not a tidbit. I'm sure Brad's will be better. I'm pretty sure he's the one who put the thought in my head of just abolishing offsides entirely, or at least he's the one who led me down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm going with that. I'm still very much. I'm still very much on that train. Forget offside reviews. I'm comfortable if we get rid of offsides. Yeah. I'm going to have to hit him for that one. Cause screw you. Uh, you did not, you, when, when we had that Patreon episode where I went on a deep dive about that, you didn't have any good arguments against it. You're just like, no, it's too weird. That was your only argument. I maintain it's too weird. It's not hockey anymore. Whatever. We'll get into that different. I I made, I made a lot of good points and that was a really well put argument by myself. Just throwing it out there. Just I uh, those tires, so we'll call it even. Lars, the prophet of the Tower and Behemoth, says in 2012, Blashell got hired and NASA started planning another rover on Mars. Today, that rover successfully landed and instantly started sending pictures from another planet. Blashell is still struggling with sorting an acceptable power play. Did that oh, rover? Did that rover find a usable power play on that planet? Maybe we'll see. Uh, now that it's open season on Nylander again, one has to question, why do the Toronto media eat their own? Why do they keep going after Nylander and have they not forgiven him for sitting out? And finally, who is the best coach between John Hines, Bob Bugner, and Blashill? Oh, it's Bugner and because I have a Windsor Spitfires bias. That's why. Um, the media in Toronto and every outlet, they'll write whatever the hell gets clicks. So it's not the media in Toronto that eats the players alive. It's the fans that eat the players alive because when someone writes a hit piece on Nylander, they all read it and they all go, yeah, to hell with this guy. And I have to listen to these people at my store. This is one of the reasons why we started a Red Wings podcast in the middle of Ontario, because we were sick of hearing this shit. So if you think it's a media problem, oh, <laughs> oh they are just following the clicks. All right. Um, very quickly here, Michael Barry says, okay, if you were Eisenman in the summer, what will you do for next season? Bring Sider to the a- NHL or AHL. And if you choose the AHL, you can only play him 10 or fewer games. As a NHL, call up. thousand percent. He's the best defenseman, maybe not in the NHL, period, right now. Raymond, so. Raymond to the NHL or AHL? AHL, I think the adjustment period for him is going to be bigger. Yep. Uh, Bergeron to the NHL or AHL? AHL. And finally, any one of Hughes, Beneers, or Powers, depending on or power, depending on who they draft to college or the NHL. I don't think right now, I don't think there's a single player in the entire draft who's NHL ready. I agree. There there's a couple who are very close, power being one of them. I think William Eklund's pretty close. Beneers is actually probably closer than he gets credit for, but yeah, no. Uh, if even if the Rings pick first overall, I think they are going back to wherever they came from for a season english major says it's offside not offsides get learnt thanks for everything's misspelled here thanks for the good contents in the podcast mm-hmm. justin craft says hey guys there is no hockey god if mark Stahl was on the ice with an open net chance he buries it uh 
buries it fully. He buries it to fully cement his new identity as a pushing down low offensive dynamo, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thousand percent. If there is a hockey god, how will the scales be balanced after last night? And what player will do the balancing? The stupider the answer, the better. Oh, if there's a hockey god, Matthias Brome will score a hat trick and all three goals will be on the power play. That's what will happen. Uh, yeah. And then the insurance goals will all come from Philip Zadina. Um, hockey gods don't exist. So Zadina will probably fire a clapper on a power play and it'll hit Brome in the ankle and put him out for four weeks because that's how this season is going. Uh, next comment here is from Ryan Poutine connoisseur. Hannah says Blackhawks rookie suitor against us hat trick Blackhawks rookie Lankinen shut out, but Hey, at least we're not Arizona and we don't have Spano 2.0 as our owner on the note of ownership. Was there any confirmation on the rumor back when the lightning became a team that the Japanese Yakuza were part of the ownership group? I have not ever heard anything like that. Oh, I've, I've heard that story, but no, I don't think it's ever been confirmed. There's no way the NHL has to approve all of the like the owner other owners have to approve. Basically, right? the guy, the company that bought it was a front, so the yakuza weren't directly involved, at least not on paper or anything like that. But it was kind of like, eh, is this a money laundering scheme or what's going on oh, here? But it was it was never confirmed, so I have no idea. I love a good ridiculous business conspiracy. Like, is that a front? But I don't, I can't buy that one. Literally, Spano got an NHL team by lying and like taking loans that weren't like good. So if he can do it, the Yakuza could do it, no problem. Uh, last comment here is from Kevin Bunch of Numbers oh two oh eight three eight something. Hey there, fellas. It's I, the one and only Twitter user by the name of Kevin Bunch of Numbers. Did you say all the numbers, Ryan? Say all the numbers. No, because I don't want to give the uh, shitty trolls more attention. Thought you could skip my comment last time and save yourself from the embarrassment. Naughty, naughty. Anyways, while I've been trolling the ever-loving hell out of the joke podcast host, noted prick guy Ryan Hanna, and his sad miscreants, what guy and bad take guy, I also have come to make a belated Valentine's Day confession. I, Twitter user Kevin Bunch of Numbers, am deeply in love with Ryan Hanna. Kevin. Oh, man. Uh, I had to delete my Twitter, hide my love away. I couldn't bear the thought of us being apart and hurled lame, misspelled, and grammatically incorrect insults at him so as to not raise suspicion. But alas, the heart wants what it wants. I, Twitter user Kevin 02083758, ask prick guy Ryan Hanna to be my Valentine. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Uh, Kevin, once you delete your 10 other burners, then maybe we'll talk about it. But uh, Ryan, you won't be able to. Type. Ryan, you won't be able to convince me you didn't write that post. I. Bre- <laughs> It's the word miscreant that makes me think that you almost might be right, but then I remember that I would remember doing it. No, that was <laughs> Joseph, actually. Uh, on that note, guys, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We'll be back with you on Sunday. Thank you for bearing with us, especially with the uh, video changes this episode. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, our sponsor, the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Download, use promo code WWP. Uh, our name level Patreon sponsors, um, Arjun Shanker, Eve Bartell on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Taylor Tagel, Ryan Hubbard, RA, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, uh, Tyrone Bigham's uh, brand, Garpar Nuggets. Uh, hell yeah. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Hana Lee, Sam Bankson, Kevin McCracken, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Connor Leighton, Evans Golf uh, Evans Golf Cart Driver, Matt Keeler, 
Kevin 0208-3758, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minama, Quaz, Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We'll see you on Sunday and good luck with your bets. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.